Yes, indeed, there are more questions than answers. Like, has anyone ever made the right amount of pasta? Hi, America. Hello, world. (laughs) My name is Adrian Lee, and I am your host. Welcome to the show, More Questions Than Answers, the only paranormal quiz show anywhere in the world. Each week, my guests and I will search the world's newspapers, websites, and TV shows just for you to bring you the very best in paranormal talk radio entertainment, and enlightenment. We will then test each other's knowledge of the week's events of the mysterious, strange, supernatural, unusual, bizarre, and just plain weird. If you have just tuned in, especially to hear the show, then I admire your taste. If you have just tuned in by accident, then I admire your luck. I am huddled under my quilt with a large flashlight and a nice cup of tea with tonight's guests, somewhere in the barren wildernesses of the Midwest Plains, with the sound of my elderly mother snoring distantly from the room next door. So snuggle under your covers, turn out your light and hold on tight. The rules are very simple. Points will be awarded randomly for being interesting and for making me laugh or shiver in horror. Extra points will be available for shock and awe value. To help me control my rowdy panel of recidivists and reprobates, I will employ what I have called the inappropriate bell. An example of this would be... The panel have no idea what's coming, and I have no idea what stories they have for tonight's show. So let me start by introducing our guests. Firstly, the mysterious and ethervescent Heather Morris... She's been a paranormal investigator for many years, with her own team called Hellhound Investigations, and does all of her best work in the shadows. She is now one of the leading audio and EVP experts with the International Paranormal Society, and brings her knowledge and research skills to tonight's show. Heather asked God for a new car this week, but she knows God doesn't work that way, so she stole one and then asked for forgiveness. Welcome to the show, Heather. Hello. We also have with us the analytical and sceptical mind of Kim Gore. Kim is also a talented and valued member of the International Paranormal Society. Kim wondered this week why we only choose between two people to be president, yet 50 for Miss America. Welcome to the show, Kim. Hello. Kim's on a listening brief this week. She's very unwell, so all of our prayers are going to Kim. You just managed to squeak out a hello there, didn't you? Oh. Kim said she'd be happy to sit in the studio with us tonight, as long as we didn't make her laugh. And I said, well, there's no danger of that. You'll be fine, which is where we are. Finally, on tonight's show, I wish to introduce the calm and unflappable Greg Gore. He is married to Kim, and we shall see if this is still the case after tonight's show. Greg is a paranormal investigator and tech expert. He owns and operates more cameras and leads than the BBC outside broadcast department. He is also a producer and sound mixer. 
Greg was in a restaurant this week and needed to pass gas desperately. The music was really loud, so he decided to time his gas with the beat of the music. After a couple of songs, he felt better. He finished his coffee and noticed everyone staring at him. Then he remembered he was listening to his iPod. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Greg. It was a long intro, but we got there in the end. This is Series 2, Episode 56. 56 is, of course, a fabulous number. There are 56 cards in the minor arcana of a tarot deck. I almost had a psychic girlfriend once, but she left me before we met. <laughs> What's the difference between a tarot reader and a pizza? A pizza can feed a family of four. 56 <laughs> is actually the name of a town in Arkansas. There's a town in Arkansas called 56. No, there isn't. There is. I swear there is. Okay. I'm sure there's lots of jokes on why it's called 56. A divorce in Arkansas is the same as a tornado in Kansas and a hurricane in Florida, of course, as you're all going to lose a trailer in all of those things. <laughs> The international <laughs> dialing code, there'll be letters, of 56. My bell's actually breaking, to be fair. I need a new bell. The spring's going out on that. The international dialing code of 56 will put you through to Chile. Of course, a Chilean player in a soccer World Cup final is called the referee. And finally, <laughs> Shirley Temple had exactly 56 curls in her hair as they were set there by her mother and she counted every single one, apparently. Are you serious? That's very, very true. And there's a nice anecdote here. Shirley Temple said she stopped believing in Santa Claus when her mother took her to see him in a department store when she was six years old and Santa Claus asked her for an autograph. Isn't that fabulous? That's a true story. <laughs> now, every week I like to read out our messages from around the world, all of our Facebook messages, all of the letters that I get sent by our listeners, and I just go through one or two of them here for you. Michael in Michigan has written, this is a fabulous uh, little bit of writing here. Michael in Michigan said, a show, finally a show that is funny, both drunk and sober. <laughs> is he referring to him or us? <laughs> oh my, I, I can't speak for all of us, Greg, but uh, he says, I like to listen to it drunk first with a vague impression of laughing. <laughs> this is exactly what we do. And then sober, so I can actually remember what I was laughing at. <laughs> Michael, that is brilliant in every single way. Jonas in California said, listening to the replay now at 4 a.m. Pacific time, there is a very happy me right now. Martin in New York, who had his birthday last week. Happy birthday, Martin. Happy belated birthday. Said he was looking forward to many laughs on his birthday. And he wants two splendorious points, apparently. Everyone on this show gets two points for making compound nouns. These are now the rules, OK? Which is tremendous. I should give myself <laughs> two. And Martin is also on two. So we're tied for the lead at the moment. Tanya, listening live from Melbourne, Australia, says, please consider doing a video live stream on one of your shows. It would be great to see all of your reactions to each other's jokes and banter. No. This is going to be very dangerous. <laughs> For a start, Greg's going to have to wear some clothes. So that's going to go straight out the window. 
We may consider this. Perhaps we would consider the idea, but I, I do think that would be dangerous. Some of the faces and some of the expressions and some of the things we do with our hands. <laughs> you don't want to see the eyes rolling. No, it would probably, uh, would probably get us into a lot of trouble. But we will <laughs> maybe, maybe consider the idea. Maybe do snippets, maybe 10 minutes. That's crazy talk. It's crazy talk. <laughs> I know. It's ridiculous. Unbelievable. We have faces made for radio. You might have. You're not speaking for everybody there, Miss Morris. Wow. Early loss of points there, of course. If you wish to access our Facebook site, we have over 5,000 followers on there. That's more questions than answers with Adrian Neal. All of tonight's stories are much, much more. All the photographs, all the videos that accompany them are also on there. We have a YouTube site with outtakes on. If people are interested, again, more questions than answers with Adrian Lee. If you wish to access our archives, we have archives on soundcloud.com under MQTA Radio, and all of our shows from the last three years are on there for you, plus many other platforms, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, iTunes, they're all available for you there. And of course, I have a book out at the moment called The History and Haunting of the Christie House, one of the most haunted buildings where they're investigated. And there's lots of photographs, lots of fabulous history, and lots of ghostly shenanigans taking place in there. That's the history and the haunting of the Christie House in Long Prairie, Minnesota. Now, last week, I had a fabulous day out. I spent the day wandering around, driving around the dirt tracks in Renville County, Minnesota. And I had with me the director of the Historical Society of Renville County, a lovely lady named Nicole. And we went to various sites in Olivia, Moulton, Hector, Bird Island, Fairfax, and so forth. We have arranged, and I'm saying this tentatively, we have arranged to do an investigation at a battlefield site. There was a very famous battle called the Battle of Birch Cooley. And this was in 1862 during the Dakota Sioux uprisings. And it was one of the few occasions that the U.S. Army actually took a good battering from the Dakota Sioux Indians. They surrounded them. It was on the 2nd of September, and they surrounded an attachment of soldiers and cavalry, and they attacked them for the period of two days. And uh, with great loss of life, there were, I believe, 13 dead in terms of U.S. military. There was over 90 dead horses, and there was 50 wounded from that. And it's believed at only a loss of two Dakota Sioux Indians. So it was one of the few occasions that the Dakota Sioux actually uh, caused more casualties than took themselves. Now, this took place on September the 2nd. I'm starting to put together an investigation in the late summer where we go out to the battlefield on September the 2nd, the anniversary of the battle, and we set up and do an investigation and see what comes along. Because I know a gentleman, his name's Jim, and his direct ancestor, his great-great-great-grandfather, I think it was, was actually involved in that battle. And he said, can I come along? And I said, sure, that would be fabulous. We then discovered that we have a friend who's a direct ancestor of Sitting Bull and is a Lakota Sioux, and she speaks all the tribal languages. And she asked if she could come along as well. So on the anniversary of the Battle of Birch Cooley, we could be sat doing an investigation on the 2nd of September, and we can bring these people with us. And I'm really looking forward to that. I'm wishing my life away. I'm wishing the summer 
would just disappear now so I can get stuck in <laughs> no. and do that investigation. And I've done investigations at battle sites before. There was a very famous battle called the Battle of Naseby, which took place during the Civil War in Britain in the 1640s, 1650s. And actually on the very evening of the anniversary of that battle, 400 years previously, we did an investigation on that battle site in the fields. And over 30,000 people were killed on that particular battle. Now, because this was the 17th century, so many people died. And it was such a small town, such a small village of Naseby in Northamptonshire, that they just left the bodies on the battlefield. If you've got a small village and the population of that village is just 150 people back in the day, how do you manage when suddenly 300 people are massacred in the fields around you? What do you do? You can't dig graves for all these people. There's no mechanisation. There's no machinery that can pick them up and bury them. So what then happened was that people from London would travel up to Northamptonshire, to Naseby, 10, 15, 20 years after the battle, and it was a tourist attraction that they'd see all the bodies laid out in the fields with the crows pecking at them and so forth. <sighs> Lots of paranormal activity. We had uh, musket shots going off in the background. We were running audio recordings on our digital voice recorders and we were picking up musket fire. It's the sort of place where you could run your hands through the soil and come up with a couple of musket balls. We did a very interesting thing. If you have a metal detector and you take that metal detector around the fields at Naseby, every time you come across a musket ball, you have a satellite positioning system where you press a button and it will tell you where you found that musket ball. And by law, you have to register that find. So what we did, we went online, we looked at a map, a Google Earth map of the site, and then we compared that and overlaid that to a map of where the most musket balls were found. So the heaviest fighting in all of those fields was where the biggest density of musket ball finds are by a metal detectorist. Do you see what I mean? Mm -hmm. So we then knew when we went to do our investigation, which parts of the field, because this is spread out over several square miles, of course, we then worked out where the most people would have been killed by the biggest finds of musket balls and compared that to a Google Earth map. And I just thought yeah. that was genius. I thought that was a fabulous, fabulous way to go. But we're going to look to do that investigation and it will be in an upcoming book. But many thanks to Nicole and all at the Renville County Historical Society. It's just you and me tonight. Kim's going to sit there quietly. Mono eh mono. Cor I have a 50% chance of winning. No, you really don't, actually, no. <laughs> Who told you that? Core de core, one on one. Here we go. I shall start tonight's proceedings in the round of Ghosts and Hauntings. A family in Mexico has claimed a floral display at a relative's funeral was moving because it was possessed by the devil. Satan always shows his dark hearts, doesn't he, through floral displays. Have you found that? I who, think so. Who can forget the infamous daffodil scene in The Exorcist? I know that stayed with me for some time. <laughs> Relatives were mourning the death of a young girl who reportedly committed suicide when the strange phenomenon happened. In rather spooky footage, one or two floral displays began rocking from side to side. You should be able to tell the difference between one or two. You don't have to be good at maths, do you? It's either one rocking or it's two rocking. Was there just the one or was there the two? There shouldn't be one or two were rocking. Right. That shows a distinct lack of education on many levels. The family members are then seen hurling insults at the flowers, which they claimed are possessed by the devil. 
to make matters worse, because there's nothing worse than shaking flowers, right? The shape of a sinister-looking face is seen in the reflection of a fridge behind the flowers, and it appears to be looking at the girl's coffin. Wow, they really got the full works, didn't they? Mm -hmm. The video has caused a stir on social media networks and on YouTube because it shows what witnesses say is a demonic possession. However, some people have said the footage is fake and the movement was caused by the wind. Now, the flowers have been cut, so intrinsically, they're already dead, right? They're no longer alive. It's just how long it's now going to be before they wilt and all the leaves fall to the floor. Yep. Okay, so they're already dead. So how can you possess something that's already dead? This isn't a possession. If you think about it, this is actually zombie flowers, Dead flowers reanimated. Do you see where we are? I think so. So there's whole bunches now of gladioli and roses wandering shopping malls looking to suck nutrients out of soil. This is where we are. These are zombies. These aren't possessed. They've got the wrong terminology. They're already dead. They've been cut. This is zombie flowers. (laughs) This is where we're going with this. They just haven't thought it through. If you wish to see... The Mexican zombie flowers, you are more than welcome to do so. If you go to our Facebook site, more questions than answers with Adrian Lee, Heather Morris. Now you are speaking of zombies. I have to tell you, I was looking through my Netflix catalog. You have a Netflix catalog. On my TV and there was a movie and I almost push play that was called Zombievers. 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 (laughs) You have to look it up. I'm not kidding. So it's you need real. to go into the bedroom with some holy water and a crucifix, I'm guessing. It's little zombie beavers running oh. around eating people. It's called zombievers. That was I don't know, me and Greg. That was going a different way. Yeah, Greg and myself were going in a completely different direction there. Look it up. It's there. Okay. Well, I'm pleased that we came to that conclusion. Greg and myself. We're in a completely different Venn diagram, but we were standing together. (laughs) What have you got for me tonight in the round of Ghosts and Haunting? Well, if there's anyone out there that is planning to go to the Republican National Convention in Ohio, have I got a place for you to stay? I can't believe anyone would want to go to that. I know, right? Rent Jeffrey Dahmer's childhood home for the Republican National Convention. You could rent his childhood. Why hasn't it been burnt down or pulled to the ground? Don't you remember we did a story maybe a year or two ago um, about PETA wanting to buy it to put a vegan restaurant in. Do you remember that? Yeah, that was very creepy that you'd put a vegan restaurant in the place. The interesting thing is in Britain, they would pull that house down. It would no longer be in existence because people would turn it into a shrine. They would visit it. It would be a very macabre yeah. kind of tourist. Gross. There were a couple of serial killers in Britain called Rose and Fred West, and they used to lure young girls into the car. And they ended up finding, you know, 16 bodies in the basement, 10 bodies in the, Ew. you know, in the yard. That house got knocked down. It's been turned into a park, some some grassland. They wouldn't leave it like that it seems odd to me that they would actually have his house and they wouldn't have knocked it down it seems very bizarre no it's still there looking for a place to stay in ohio during the republican national convention rent the childhood home of jeffrey dahmer where he murdered his first victim ohio leaders are hoping the upcoming republican national convention will spotlight northeast ohio's rich history 
What better way to do that than with the beautiful Akron home where the serial killer and cannibal Jeffrey Dahmer grew up? I think Ooh. this is different to his house that he lived in because I thought that was in Wisconsin. I, I think it is. This is his childhood his home. His childhood home. Yeah. You can see all the doodles he did on the wall with a Sharpie. Well, yeah. This beautiful and unique mid-century modern home in the picturesque setting features three bedrooms, one and a half baths. It's one of those three up, 12 downs. Uh, and, oh, controversial. Oh, terrible. Too soon. And assuming it hasn't been walled up, a crawl space where Dahmer dismembered his first victim before disposing of the remains in the woods behind the house. Why do you not get rid of that? Why has that not been knocked down? I find I that know. remarkable. What's wrong with you over here? You're all mad. It's supposedly been on the market since 2014 and nobody wants to buy it. They don't want to touch it. You mean even the guy from Ghost Adventures doesn't want to buy it? <laughs> Things must be bad. <laughs> Maybe it was We're going to get removed. A little pricey. A little pricey. <laughs> I feel a sudden growing interest in politics. From the actual listing, it's listed as a mid-century modern home with a true park-like setting. Smoking and animals are okay. This is smoking ju- animals. Yes, smoking animals. Yeah, I'm, I'm in case a three, you're hungry. three squirrel a man day. Oh, oh. smoking animals. <laughs> no. I was thinking of rolling them up. I was just going to get some paper and a small mouse and, you know, oh, puff away. No, this is Jeffrey Dahmer's childhood home close to Cuyahoga Valley National Park, Montrose Shopping, and easy access to I 77 Highway. That's perfect. Just three weeks after his high school graduation, Dahmer picked up hitchhiker Stephen Hicks. They returned to Dahmer's home to drink beer. When Hicks decided he wanted to leave, Jeffrey bludgeoned him from behind with a 10-pound dumbbell and then strangled him to death. Again, this guy's family are still alive. I don't understand why you would persist in having the house there when this guy's family are obviously around. Again, more madness. I don't know why it's standing. Well, this is what he did. He actually dismembered the body in the crawl space that's still there that they haven't walled up yet. Uh, He did that the next day and then buried the remains in the backyard. Then a few weeks after that, he dug them back up to remove the flesh, which he dissolved in acid, then flushed down the toilet, and then he crushed the bones with a sledgehammer. All of our listeners are out there at the moment having their dinner. Nice. It's just gone past eight o'clock. Tell me what you ate. (laughs) (laughs) What's wrong with you? Have I got to give you points for that? Smoked brisket. You're going to have two points. You're now level with Martin on two points each. If you think of a compound noun, I love the fact the Germans have embraced the compound noun. Okay. In German, every word is like 25 letters long. Because all they do is butter other words together to make a new word. So the word Fledermaus in German is flying mouse. Wiener Schnitzel. Yes, we're not going to go there just yet. (laughs) But flying sausage. (laughs) But we would call that bat. Do you see what I mean? We would invent a new word, bat, where what they would do is just think, oh, it's a flying mouse. We'll make a new word. I thought you meant flying sausage. (laughs) We'll make a That's new a word bat. called flying sausage, fleedaversed. Are we going to start up a chain of restaurants called fleedaversed? Uh, yes. <laughs> I don't think that's going to go down well. You place your order at the window and there's a cannon firing sausages into your car. That'd be awesome. So we would invent a new word like carpet. Whereas in German, they would literally put words together that would say fluffy thing that sits on the floor that when you walk on keeps your feet warm. And that would be their entire word. It does mean, of course, that if you can work out all the intrinsic parts, 
See what I mean? If you knew what Fleda and Mouse was, you could put the two together and work it out. Flying sausage slightly more difficult, I would suggest. I like the idea of firing sausages into the crowd. Don't you have a cannon that you fire T-shirts at yes. baseball yes. games? What about if you're all standing there with a bun and it's open and they're just firing sausages? That'd be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> Catch someone's eye out. There'd be an industrial accident. I've got a story that says a spooky house where a group of ghost fanatics stayed the night was so haunted that it made some of them physically sick. The creepy home dubbed the hostel by paranormal experts is notorious for its spooky aura, with stories of moving chairs, flying sausages through the air and candles blowing out. The nausea-inducing candle-blowing-out phenomena, no doubt, that we've read so much about. The seven-bedroom home in Hull, East Yorkshire, has even had ghostly faces appearing at its windows, leading to police break-ins. Becky Cook, 26, one of the people brave enough to step inside, said spooky forces began to take a hold as soon as the group passed through the front door. She said the activity started the moment we got inside. Things moved and three people even vomited. There was this amazing feeling of sickness that came over us. Doors opened on their own and one man even had a ball thrown at him when he said he couldn't live here. Sue Thompson, 60, another ghost hunter brave enough to step over the threshold of 39 de Grey Street, said it was a very exciting night. We got an amazing response from the table tipping, the seance and the Ouija board. Can you believe they've gone in there and used a Ouija board? How many times must we discuss on this show Ouija ball usage? Ouija ball. We should get a Ouija ball. Yeah, it's called Magic 8 Ball. There you go. Can you imagine going to a psychic? I do a lot of psychic expos and a lot of psychic fairs. I like the idea that you would sit down, you know, and you'd look like a gypsy with your, you know, your bandana on and the little coins hanging down and a shawl over your shoulders. And you'd say, I want to know about my love life. Is this the woman for me? And she shakes the ball and it says, ask again. (laughs) Do you reckon you'd get away with that? Yeah. Fantastic. Ouija balls. I think we need to invent those. I'm just, this is where we are. You can have a different letter on each one. And if you put a word, if you had a ball pit, do you know what a ball pit is? The kids playing them. Do you remember? Yes, like, yes, yes. What about if you had an individual word on each ball and then you just threw, threw someone, yeah, threw a person mm. into the ball pit and then ask a question like, you know, who's the president? Do you live here? When did you die? And they could just come up with random balls. I mean, that's the way to go. <laughs> Guided by the darker forces in the ball pit. Wow. Is where we are. No one used that. That's copyrighted. That's more questions than answers. I'm going to, I'm going to make that happen. Wow. You always get the sense something was standing behind you and the experiments were carried out and they proved that something was there. Each ghost hunt is different, but you need energy and enthusiasm amongst the group you are with. And we had a lot of that. Clairvoyant Jolene Lockwood was another member of the group that entered the ghoulish digs and witnessed flying objects, bone-chilling sensations and a ball pit. She said we had one guest struck on the head with a ball and a number of names brought through the spirit box. It's interesting. I'd like to know what would be written on that ball. If you got struck on the head with the ball and it said like yes or no, that would be a joy, wouldn't it? You could get poltergeist. We have trigger objects. We leave trigger objects around haunted buildings, don't we? We have fishing bobbers because fishing bobbers are top heavy if you balance them. 
you know, the balls that are red and white on their end. And you can place them on stairs. You can place them on door handles, on kitchen tables. You can place them all around the building you're investigating. And if a ghost knocks one over, if they breathe against them, if they brush against them, they fall to the floor, they bounce around. You can hear them from every part of the building you're investigating. They're a very useful object. They only cost pennies. Every, Every equipment case I own has fishing bobbers in them. We have video footage of the Christie house, the book I was talking about earlier, where the bobbers flew off the kitchen table because Dr. Christie performed operations on that kitchen table in the 1910s. So imagine all the anguish, all the energy involved in that kitchen table where you're holding someone down and you're taking out their appendix with a spoon back in the day. And we had fishing bobbers literally fly off the table. This is what we need to be. We need to be producing Ouija balls that have specific things written on them. You line them up and the ghost picks which one it wants. There you go. You can have a whole series of words. Compound nouns could be made by ghosts firing balls at you as you sat there catching them, working out what it was trying to say. She said, we had one guest stuck on the head with a Ouija board, hair being touched, feelings of sickness and emotions. It was a fantastic night. What happened to a beer out with the lads and a karaoke? This is where I am. I guess singing Mustang Sally in a drunken stupor just isn't cutting it anymore. This is her idea of a great (laughs) night out, apparently. Everyone was vomited. I got concussion from a ball hitting me on the head. My hair was pulled. We all had a great night. It does sound like a night out at a bar. For you, it it might be. (laughs) It's your average Friday night out. After this show, you're looking to have your hair pulled. You're looking to get concussion. You're looking to vomit, are you? That's a bit private, isn't it? This is what the night night holds for you is it in minnesota after we finish the show i go home and have a cup of tea and lie in bed reading books uh-huh. you're looking to have your hair pulled vomit and get concussion yeah wow <laughs> well i'm finding out a lot more about you than i previously knew while the group was in the house between 9 p.m and 4 a.m they tried to piece together its shady past and to work out why it had become haunted well a trip to the local historical society of the library would do that wouldn't it Perhaps it's so haunted because people go in there with Ouija boards. What do you think? Sue said we discovered the evil spirit of a man upstairs and then a woman and three children below. We got the name of a 10-year-old called Walter, dated from 1840. He indicated he died after a hanging. Andy Yates, who owns the haunted property, said he'd seen plenty of creepy goings-on over the years. I've tried to rent the house out a couple of times, but the longest anyone has lasted is four days. Some people couldn't return after measuring the house up just for furniture. I once saw a child's shadow came out of the fireplace and hover for around 15 minutes. The hostel is opening its doors to ghost hunters next Friday, where over-18s can sleep in the creepy property for just £65. That's $100. As long as they bring along sleeping bags, plenty of warm clothes, holy water, a crucifix, a priest if you can find one on a Friday night, and a bucket of balls. Fantastic. Dud of a bell, huh? This bell is wearing out. (laughs) I need a new bell. We need to go shopping for a new MQT. Either that or we need a squirt of WD 40. I thought you were going to say squirrel. We need a squirrel. (laughs) Every time we hit it on the head, it squeaks. Squeaks. (laughs) There'll be letters about that, I I can assure you. We had the sound of my mother. Perhaps if we just poked her every now and then, we needed some sort of response. You know, censorship pig. Right. Yeah. Censorship. 
pig. <laughs> I will use the censorship pig right now because on Sunday we went into Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. We went to a massive rock and crystal show. It's a trade show for people selling rocks and crystals and fossils. Mm-hmm. And there was a moment, and this was a joyous moment, and I will use the censor pig at this moment in time, because a gentleman that was sat opposite us suddenly picked up a fossil. And for some reason, Heather's just got the face, I think, but he <laughs> held it up and he said to you, do you know what this is? Yes. And what did you say? I said it was dinosaur poo. Poo. You said it was coprolite. And he looked surprised that you knew. And I said, you shouldn't be surprised. She really knows her. (laughs) (laughs) And everybody laughed. But I can't tell that joke on air without the censor pig. Yeah. Thank you, censor pig. Thank you, censor pig. (laughs) The check is in the post. Heather, what have you got for me tonight in the round of ghosts and hauntings? I'm going to Disneyland. And uh, it's in Paris. Yes, we do have a Disneyland in Mm -hmm. Paris. There's been a Disneyland worker who was found dead in the haunted house. Well, that's Dang. not good news. Do you remember we had that haunted house? We did. Can you remember what gross. state? Was that Louisiana? I don't remember. I don't there was remember. a gentleman went into a haunted house, like a proper haunted house, proper where people dress house. up and yeah, they're for students Halloween. for Halloween. And he died of a heart attack. Mm-hmm. And no one knew he was in there. Mm-hmm. Two weeks later, he's still slumped over in the corner, smelling badly. A girl, little girl poked him. Yeah, everyone thought it was a prop. Two weeks after he'd fallen down and died, a little girl poked him and his arm fell off and she's now in therapy, unfortunately. They said at the time, didn't they, that they thought they counted everyone in, but they'd miss one person. (laughs) But they didn't bother to go back for look for anybody, did they? This kid's Um, coming out saying that's the best Halloween house we've ever been to and the stench was terrible. So lifelike. So lifeless. Smell was terrible. Uh, Police are investigating after a member of staff at Disneyland Paris was reportedly found dead in the theme park's haunted house. The 45-year-old technician is thought to have been electrocuted in the Phantom Manor on Saturday morning between 8 and 9, just before the park opened. The employee is believed to have been working on a lighting at the attraction, which was immediately closed. Well, thank God for that. The ride features zombies, a ghostly dog, and a, and a skel- man being electrocuted. Yeah, and a skeletal bride, and promises to turn visitors' stomachs with a series of ghastly goings on. Yeah, no kidding. And a ball pond. <laughs> I, I'm literally going to make a ball pond, and I'm going to get a sharpie, and I'm going to write individual words on there and see what the ghosts throw at me. I'm going to have a baseball (laughs) catcher's glove and I'll be catching balls from the other side with messages. I wouldn't say that out loud. No, that's just between (laughs) us and the 22,000 listeners we have in 190 countries. A spokesman for the prosecutor said the initial examination had suggested accidental death by electrocution was the cause of death. A post-mortem examination has been ordered while police and electrics experts are helping the police who have interviewed colleagues who found the man's body. The technician, who has not been named, was a father from Noisy Le Grand. You're making these words up. (laughs) To the east of Paris and reportedly worked in the park since 2002. Disneyland Paris is staying open, although Phantom Manor is expected to be closed until at least Wednesday, while police from nearby Chessie investigate. Phantom Manor. That's not good, is it? 
Yeah. Poor man. I have a story that says this spine-tingling video shows a toddler crying whilst balancing precariously on the rim of a cot, prompting claims he might be possessed by a supernatural being. And it's left millions of people well and truly spooked. In scenes resembling a paranormal activity movie, the infant Connor gets to his feet and balances himself on the edge of the side of a rail. The teeny tot then stands up quickly, screaming, the night vision camera adding an eerie green glow to the boy's wide open eyes. After a few seconds, the boy falls backwards back into the cot, as if pulled down by an invisible force. A caption beneath the video reads, Caught on nanny cam in the middle of the night. No children were harmed. This is not my child in the video. Which begs the question, why are they videoing other people's children? (laughs) I was just doing it through the window and I managed to catch some paranormal activity. There are more questions than answers. While the clip has given many the willies, others have branded it a fake. One viewer said this will end up being part of a new horror movie, I guess. Others have pointed out that the moment the boy falls looks particularly unconvincing, with some claiming it appears to be the work of special effects. However, a handful of people have said it was perfectly possible the toddler could have stood on the rim as he appears, as the edge looks unusually thick. If you want to see something that gives you the willies and is unusually thick, you know where to go. (laughs) By now, it's more questions than answers with Adrian (laughs) Lee. We move into the round that is UFOs and cryptozoology. Greg is on two for going to the same place that I went to at the beginning of the show. (laughs) I am on six. Kim is sat quietly with a hot water bottle and medicine on a nice round fat zero. Heather is on two and Martin is also on two for making a compound noun. Heather, where are you going for me in the world in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology, hairy men and green beasties? I don't know where I'm going. You have oh, no clue. I'm going to Ohio. You're going to Ohio. <laughs> Again. Hurrah. It's all happening there this week, it's isn't Ohio. it? You wait all year for an Ohio story to come along yeah. and then two come along at once. Yep. This isn't Jeffrey Dahmer's house. No, no, it's not. Former USAF aircraft mechanic films two UFOs. A man with over 30 years of aviation experience has recorded footage of two unknown objects over Ohio. According to recent MUFON report, the witness, who has remained anonymous, strangely enough, has been standing outside his home smoking a cigarette back in November of 2015 when he noticed two spinning diamond-shaped UFOs hovering over the houses. You can always tell a redneck in Ohio when MUFON tell them they've only got a limit on how many UFOs they can call in that week. <laughs> I'm just saying, there's a limit sometimes. And this was is... he smoking cigarettes? Well, he, I'm not sure what he was smoking. <laughs> he's smoking mice rolled up in newspaper is what he's doing. Small rodents is what I'm guessing. In the report, he described how the objects had moved together up into the air before flying off in formation towards the southeast. While the footage he recorded doesn't show the UFOs in much detail, surprisingly, it is possible to see their movements relative to one another in the sky. They appeared to be spinning gem shapes with no sound, he wrote. Both were spinning in unison and appeared to be flying in formation. Recon definitely came to mind. The witness, who claims to have several decades of experience working with the U.S. Air Force, maintains that the objects were unlike anything he had ever seen during his career. 
You will note towards the end, as tree branches become visible, the lead craft disappears. The second one travels a little further, then disappears as well, he added. One thing I noted was the spinning in unison. I do not have a means to enhance a video and would love to see what you can bring out in the video. And I guess that's a challenge to anyone that would like to enhance the video in any way. I find it remarkable um, that you've read out a story in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology that actually contains a UFO. So there's points to be had already. Well, that's yet to be determined. Ah, okay. I take that away. You had four. You're back on two. Thank you for pointing that out. It's just the we good, don't know. We the don't good know. Lord giveth, and the good Lord taketh away. I'm going to go with cryptozoology first. I have mystery creature filmed in the River Thames. Strange footage has emerged online this week of a large, dark-shaped surfacing in the River Thames. The peculiar video was recorded on a mobile phone by someone riding on the cable car in Greenwich in London. Set against the backdrop of the Millennium Dome, the footage shows a large black shape rearing out of the River Thames before disappearing again, leaving a momentary disturbance in the water. Are there whales in the Thames, the uploader asks, or is it some weird submarine? It is very odd because the River Thames in that particular area must be about half a mile wide, and in the distance you can see the Millennium Dome, which is the O2 Arena, mm-hmm. and that's actually bigger. That has a bigger capacity than Madison Square Garden. Really? So when you see this rise in the water, these double humps come out of the water. I did see the video. I don't think people realise how big that is. That must be, I reckon, 100 foot long, easily. People don't get a sense of the scale. Do you see what I mean? I did see the video, and it does look like there's some dark shape below i don't know did you watch yes, the video I, as well yeah of course i've watched the video these are my stories <laughs> oddly enough i actually research this stuff i know you just wing it and turn up with a bunch of paperwork i actually with a bunch watched... of bollocks oh you can't say that live on here we'll get do you even know what that means where's the sense of pig when you need him with a bunch of whoa the interesting thing is It says whether this video shows something genuinely unusual in the water remains unclear, especially given how easy it would be to fake something like this using video editing software. How many times have you sat on the toilet with the week's TV listings looking to launch a sea pickle, then thought that'll be a danger to shipping? This is where we are. I thought you were going to say, how many times have you sat on the toilet with a video camera? Not that often, I have to admit. Not, not this week. No, not not since the court injunction. It'll be even worse if it was someone else's toilet. I videoed your kids sleeping through the window. I'm now going to video myself using your toilet doing a number two, and I'm going to post it. That's the creepiest thing you've ever said. Can you imagine going on YouTube? of finding a video of someone sitting down doing a number two (laughs) in your toilet. You want to take pictures on your day old Burger King black buns? What Greg's pointed out to me is that Uh. during Halloween... Burger King, and we've no affiliation to them. They're not paying us any money or anything. We don't get any whoppers. We don't get any whoppers, Mm -mm. is what we're saying. I'm sorry to hear that, by the way, but your night night is still young. You have concussion, pulled hair and vomit ahead of you, apparently. I have a cup of tea and a nice book. But during the Halloween period, Burger King produced a black whopper. And I did eat one, and it was like eating a flip-flop or an old tyre. But the point was that the following day... 
your leavings. Your leavings, your defecation was bright green. I looked down and it was like Kermit the Frog and all his brothers and sisters looking up at me. We had one viewer actually write in and said, damn you people, I've had the Black Whopper and uh, it wasn't good. There was a scene. <laughs> it was of, right. <laughs> you were right. We nailed it. <laughs> yeah. It was fluorescent green. Mm, and if you yep. didn't know any difference, you'd be off to the doctor thinking you had some sort of tropical disease. Like That's true. Yep. Berry berry or lassa fever or mm-hmm. something. But this week, Greg's pointed this out. They've introduced now a red whopper. This is the hot red whopper. Yes. So I'm now wondering, you see where we're going with this. I do. For the sake of experimentation, I'm now wondering if our listeners want to embrace this idea. We don't want photographs, by the way, or anything posted on YouTube. But I'm now wondering what the bright red whopper is going to do 24 hours later in terms of colour difference, is all I'm saying. I have another story here on UFOs. It says a swastika has been spotted in the wilderness near Roswell, prompted frenzied speculation about its origin. Some drunk racist redneck, anyone? The weird pattern could be found 70 miles away from the small town, which became world famous following an infamous UFO incident in 1947. It can be seen on Google Maps, along with various other strange emblems described as Nazi occult symbols. Conspiracy theorists have been poring over images of the swastika for years, but it has recently sparked mainstream interest after being covered on the website Ancient Origins. People have claimed that the enigmatic symbol found near Roswell are the results of Nazi occultism and even alien worship. Due to the proximity to Roswell, where one of the most famous UFO sightings in history occurred. Proximity, it's 70 miles away. It says this is close to Roswell and then goes on to say 70 miles away. Would we consider that? I guess in the desert, 70 miles away is fairly close, isn't it? Because there is, there is a lot of desert. In Britain, if you go 70 miles in any direction, you are in the sea and you will be wet. But 70 miles in any direction when you're in the middle of the desert isn't going to get you anywhere, really, is it? Is where we are. <laughs> Sadly, the publication went on to conclude that the pattern was probably built so that bombers could carry out target practice. Now, this shows you how accurate American bombers are, given that these signs and symbols are still visible. If they were any good, they wouldn't be visible, would they? You see uh... where we are. However, this theory isn't widely... I know your audience, firstly. However, this theory isn't widely accepted by everyone, as there are many people who believe that the enigmatic symbols spread across the land of New Mexico and date back hundreds of years. Just in case you're looking for a wilder explanation, we'd point you to this comment from a man going under the name of Roz. He said the swastika was either a location beacon for alien ships or a sign of some sort of agreement between Earth and extraterrestrials. It's a sign of goodwill and of good gesture to aliens in general, he claimed. So it looks like aliens will get a nice warm welcome if they turned up in New Mexico or Arizona with their difference of coloured skin and strange cultural differences. Good news. Hold on a second. Just experimenting with a bit of satire there. His name was Roz? Yes. And it's Roswell, yes. You made that stuff up. I've got it That's on a, a bit a of paper in story. front of me. Look, there we Listen. Can you hear that? <laughs> That's the paperwork. You wrote it yourself. 
I didn't write that myself. If I wrote that myself, it would have better grammar for a start and be easier to read. I'm just saying. We move into the round now. There is the strange and the bizarre. Yay. It's the stories from around the world that are too strange and too bizarre. Not to read out in any other round, but are too good not to read out at all. Greg is on two. I'm on six. Kim is yet to score because she can't talk. Heather's on four and Martin is lagging behind. Still on two points. Heather, what have you got for me tonight in the strange and the bizarre? I'm so excited. There's another new dating app. Another new dating app. You can only use it today, though. Just today. Just today. It's the only day. This is your window of opportunity. Yep, because I just found out about it, but it ends today. So you got to do it quick. The new dating app matches you with hotties based on your burrito order. Your burrito order? Yes. So if I ordered a nice, thick, juicy burrito, what's that going to get me? I don't know. You're going to have to try. <laughs> oh. So I've got to try a burrito and a red whopper. This is on my <laughs> list of things. Your night's going to involve hair pulling, concussion and vomit. And mine looks like a red Beano. whopper. Mine looks like Beano. Whoa, Beano. Great. Don't you know? <laughs> As they say, it's a burrito's world. And we're just living in it. Just kidding. Nobody, That's a Madonna song, isn't nobody it? Nobody says it, huh? A, Madonna, a, bur- a McDonald's song. <laughs> Bring McDonald's in. Why not? What, having mentioned? But you really want a free burger out of tonight's show, don't you? Dairy Queen. While we're on the subject, <laughs> this is where the hair pulling and the concussion comes from. While we're on the subject, I have to say that Maserati really does make fabulous cars. <laughs> just saying. But... All the burrito-centric technology cropping up lately. Hang on. There is burrito technology, is there? Apparently. Okay. From burrito-finding apps to burrito-delivering drones, this would suggest we've all gone burrito-crazy. Can't we fire them into a crowd with a cannon? Yes. (laughs) Supposing you weren't looking. Supposing you're chatting to your friend and suddenly, and there's a burrito in your face. Yeah. That could be dangerous. Could be. So it makes sense why the tech company Zeusk would create a dating app that matches you with potential partners based on mutual burrito preferences. It's just called Burrito and officially launches or launched last Friday, but it's only going to last a week. So today is your last day. Sorry, just found out about it. So you couldn't have read this out last week? Couldn't have. You've got nope. a couple of hours to cram in a burrito is what's happening. Yes, and to find your perfect mate. Today's daters are more sophisticated than their predecessors. And they're tired of matching on trivial things and are looking for a more meaningful way to connect. What could be more trivial than a burrito? (laughs) How did you meet your mother? Our eyes met over my burrito. (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. I saw her fajita and we were away. Those fajitas are lovely, aren't they? Yeah, I love fajitas. (laughs) With 32 ingredients to choose from, the app calculates matches based on similar burrito orders using complicated techniques, according to the press release. You could share gas together. What could be more romantic? (laughs) Burrito uses the cool math-like algorithms, formulas, addition, subtraction, Pythagorean theorem, sine, cosine, and tangent. Pythagorean. Mm-hmm. That's, fa- that's the first time that word's ever been mentioned on this show. Points <laughs> to be had just for that. That sounded super legit, so I decided to try the app out for myself. Well, I didn't personally, but unfortunately, I got matched with a bunch of sketchy bald dudes in their 40s. Well, maybe that was me. 
That's your ex. Controversial. And that's just the women. <laughs> God. But I guess that's what you get for liking shrimp and black beans. Oh. <laughs> if you're thinking this app is one big April Fool's joke, you're only half wrong. Users will actually be able to use this app until April 8th. And that's today, isn't it? Isn't that nice? They really do want you to find love at the bottom of a burrito. Somebody somewhere is going to get conceived due to that app. Yes, with the, with the extra sour cream and stuff. Dad, why am I called burrito? <laughs> Just saying. Chimmy. Chimichanga. Chimichanga. <laughs> I have a story in The Strange and the Bizarre that says a museum dedicated to excrement with examples from the animal and human world is open to the public. The exhibition at the Isle of Wight Zoo features feces from animals such as elks and lions, as well as a human baby. That's a human baby excrement, by the way. Not, Are no. you serious? Absolutely. It's like green <sighs> peanut butter is where oh, we are. Oh, boy. The National Poo Museum has been created by members of the artist collective Eccleston George. Poo is all around us and inside us, but we ignore it, said co-creator Daniel Roberts. Poo is all around us. Where is he living? In the Thames. <laughs> 20 illuminated resin spheres show off the different types of feces with facts they hidden. They cast them in resin? They're under resin spheres, so you can have a good look at them. They're displayed with a resin perspex dome over the top of them, so you can't get as close <laughs> as you'd want, perhaps. You can't smell it or touch it, huh? Spongy. No, you're just going to have to look. <laughs> it's like being in an exotic dance club. There's no touching. There's no sniff. Well, I think you can sniff. I'm not oh, sure those God. are the rules. Greg, what are the rules again? I don't know. <laughs> he says... They're hidden behind toilet lids on the museum walls. Samples of feces have been gathered from all around the world, as well as donations received. <sighs> you get a padded envelope. Donations received from the Isle of Wight Zoo and Dinosaur Museum. And Burger King. The display also includes <laughs> fossilised poo. Coprolites, see? She knows her. Dating back 140 million years, as well as tawny owl pellets containing bones and teeth. It also covers issues such as dog mess and the lack of access to sanitation in delivery, in delivery, in delivery, in developing mm. countries. Nigel George, one of the exhibition's curators, said the subject provoked strong reactions. I'm sure. Small children naturally delight in it and paranormal radio hosts, apparently. <laughs> but later we learn to avoid this yucky disease carrying stuff and that even talking poo is bad. What he do you mean talking? said. That's a joy, isn't it? We had a chat last week about the things that we had to push down a toilet. Do you remember you said you'd like to go on a date with a giraffe, but you'd have trouble flushing it down the toilet? Do you remember such conversations? <laughs> no, I got amnesia. It's madness. If you wish to pre-order your tickets, you can put a deposit down. A deposit, it huh? Says, yeah. It makes you wonder what's in the gift shop. Okay. I went to a museum. I brought you a gift. There you go. No eraser for you. No button for you. No pencil sharpener for you. No stuffed animal. No stuffed animal for you. You're special. What have you got for me here in the strange and the bizarre, Miss Morris? Oh, my God. Go on. All right. Jesus actor falls off the cross. Jesus actor. That's I'm funny. Is it falls. My own. 
personal. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> he falls off the cross. He fell. They yes. didn't put the nails in properly then, did they, I'm guessing? <laughs> oh, maybe he can walk on water, but he can't walk on air. This Jesus also returned to the earth the hard way. Watch an actor playing Jesus Christ fall from the towering cross during the crucifixion reenactment. I wonder how many people shouted out Jesus Christ when they saw him falling. Oh, no. Um, you know, it's a natural reaction, isn't it? <laughs> Prensa Libre, which posted the video to YouTube, reported that the accident occurred in Guatemala on Good Friday. Some outlets noted that the man was not hurt, but that was not confirmed. That's <laughs> when they drag him off in an ambulance and say, next is next. The dramatic footage received hundreds of thousands of views on Facebook page called Operaciones Especiales Mexico. That's your best Spanish, is it? It is. <laughs> wow. I apologize to all of the Spanish speakers out there. We didn't have any listeners there anyway, did we? What, in Spanish? We have, what, 190 countries. I'm sure some of them are speaking Spanish. Oh, well. Spain would be one of them. <laughs> in the clip, the actor is helped up a ladder to a cross held upright by ropes. As the actor moves into place, the crops, <laughs> the the crops. crops yeah, begins to tip over. The man falls, grabbing one of the ropes to try to break his fall, but it's not confirmed whether he was hurt or not. That's Jesus falled. Jesus, actor, falls off cross. Yeah. Oh, I bet he's not going to volunteer next year. <laughs> I don't think so. I've got a story I want to squeeze in just in the final minutes here because it. it's fabulous. It says, in anticipation of this summer's debut of the new Ghostbusters film, Sony is releasing the original Ghostbusters and the 1989 sequel in a shiny new release on home video. It's exciting news for Ghostbusters fans who salivate over bonus featurettes and high-quality pictures. But there's a problem. Did you know that Ernie Hudson is also nowhere to be seen on the original film poster for the film? Mm -mm. His name is not even listed amongst the credits on the poster. That's terrible. <laughs> that. So he had an ideal opportunity. He's appeared, of course, in HBO's Oz and The Crow. So he's a very famous actor. And apparently the original script, he was meant to appear on page eight of the original Ghostbusters script. But he didn't then appear in the film until page 68. But he's completely marginalised. I can't believe Ernie Hudson doesn't have his name on the film poster or anywhere on the new DVDs that are coming out of the Ghostbusters films. Didn't they originally want Eddie Murphy to play him? I think that was on the cards at one point, yeah. wasn't it? Apparently, though, um, they believe that Ernie Hudson... Do you know they're having cameos in Ghostbusters? Mm -hmm. Do you know they're having all the old actors back? The belief okay. is that they're actually going to be playing the characters that they were playing, they're going to be playing like random people, like someone opening Pawn a door. Yeah, taxi driver, stuff like that. So when Ernie Hudson comes back in the film, he's not actually going to be Winston, is my belief, in how things wow. work. This is ridiculous. It may be down to the fact, of course, that Ernie Hudson has come out and said he thinks the film's terrible. That may not have done him any favours at this point, right? Well, I'm with Ernie. There we go. <laughs> We're now sulk into the final round that is not for your mother. It's the round we can't read out live on air for fear of getting a final being removed. It's the stories from around the world this week laden with sexual innuendo. It's not even innuendo, is it? It's just outright. Yeah, graphic stuff. Graphic stuff. If your mother is in the room and she is of a nervous disposition, you need to remove her. If there's minors in the room as well, they need to be removed. Heather, what have you got for me tonight in the round of Not For Your Mother? So are we going to Hull in July? Hull. Mm -hmm. 
Hull is the home of that really haunted building where all those people were vomiting and getting concussion and having balls fired at them. Well, they have some really exciting things happening in July. I think we should go. That, that This will be the only thing exciting that's ever happened in the city of Hull, I can assure you. Well, there are hundreds set to strip for Hull nude photograph. Hull nude. Yes. If you saw the people that lived in Hull... <laughs> This would be the last place on earth in East Yorkshire where you'd want to see anyone take their clothes off. This isn't Bondi Beach or Venice Beach. This is Hull in East Yorkshire. Yes. Okay. Residents of Hull are being asked to bear it all in the name of art. The city will host American photographer Spencer Tunick who is known for his images of masses of naked people around the world. This will be the radio show next week. <laughs> what? This is what we'll do. Well, we get the video cam. Oh, God, no. There we go. (laughs) The photo shoot is scheduled for the 9th of July, with the final result to be unveiled next year when Hull is the UK city of culture. Did you know that? I find that remarkable. (laughs) Never has a word oxymoron ever been more appropriate. Organizers hope hundreds of people will take part in the Sea of Hull installation. Participants will be covered in body paint to create the multiple colors of the sea in recognition of the city's maritime history. Tunic said the body paint will help people overcome their inhibitions. You can almost smell the ocean. (laughs) Oh, no. This is a wonderful opportunity for anyone interested in art who wants to pose nude, but is modest, he said. It intrigues me that in some places where there are major streets or parks today, previously there was water. To reflect this, I'll be using body paint so the mass people create the idea of the sea of humanity flooding the urban landscape. Doesn't that sound wonderful? It sounds trite is what it sounds like. (laughs) I used to sit through long, boring art history lectures where people would suddenly say, oh, the existentialist movement of the 1920s shows the juxtaposition opposed aesthetic and i'm sat there thinking he's just stuck a pencil up his nose and gone like this on the paper (laughs) if everyone that fell asleep in an art history lecture were placed from head to foot they'd be a lot more comfortable didn't you used to lecture art history i did and there were times during my own lectures that i would sit there and think christ i'm bored i want to leave bored of my own lecture there'd be times when i'd just say to the students do you know what I'm bored. Let's do something else. There's only so many ways you can dress up early German Renaissance art. I'm sorry. The curator of Hall's Ferens Art Gallery, Kirsten Simister, said there is more than a commission. It's an opportunity to involve people directly in an amazing live performance that will temporarily transform the city. I'll have to get my mother to go up there and we'll get a picture of her covered in spume. No, no, no. His new body of work will form part of an exhibition in 2017 and will also be purchased for the permanent collection. Anyone over 18 years old is eligible to take part. Isn't that nice? There you go. Let's go. No, I'm not going. <laughs> there are better places for me to. I don't want. I'm not saying anything bad about Hull. There's just other places <laughs> I'd rather go at this minute. It's it's a fishing village. It's a fishing town. I'm sure it is, and it, it will is. be. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have a story also about the sea. Strangely enough, this is from Ireland. It says shocked dog walker finds sex toys washed up on the beach twice. In the same day. Where? What are the chart? What do you mean where? What do you want? Location? Well, maybe. It's off the coast of Ireland. <laughs> twice. Not once. 
twice in the same day. That's awesome. Wouldn't it be funny if there was a cargo container out at sea and it wasn't strapped down properly and in high winds and high waves. wasn't strapped down. The container just flew <laughs> off the side and there was like 10,000 sex toys that were made in China and were coming over to That's Europe. That's awesome. That'd be a joy, wouldn't it? A dog owner enjoying a stroll on the beach had a shock when he found his dogs playing with sex toys washed up on the shore, not only once, but twice. Every dog needs a bone. Dad of two, Martin, (laughs) spotted the rampant (laughs) rabbit vibrator during his daily walk along the beach, but not before his Shih Tzu Molly had already licked it. Molly? The fine cubs. (laughs) It says Shih Tzu. Molly, his Shih Tzu was called Molly, <laughs> and it found a sex toy. Nice. It ran up the beach with it in its mouth. <laughs> the fine he was trying to suck the marrow out the oh, bone. Oh no! The fine comes just weeks after Martin discovered another decaying rubber sex aid. It says decaying. You know that a sex toy has a half life of about fifty thousand years if you drop it in the sea. I'm almost convinced of that. So that's that. an ancient one, then. It is. <laughs> There you are. The find comes just weeks after Marty discovered another decaying rubber sex aid in the same spot. The Irish Mirror reports. The 41-year-old claims the picturesque beach is usually home to nothing more than the odd coin and some litter. He said, I rang my wife straight away, but she wasn't interested. (laughs) She must have met my ex. There weren't any batteries in it, so it wouldn't have been much use to anyone. Perhaps this is what was in the Thames earlier. See where we're going now. I was just on my own with the dogs. It was a good thing there were no ladies around. Or there may have been a fight. Over is, the, wow. Over, he, mm. What does this say about Irish women, that a tug of war could have taken place on a beach over something washed up? Or that they have that many options in their closet. That's what I want to know. It was a big pink thing on the sand. So I could, just my mother on her holidays. So I could see it sticking out from a distance. I walked over to get a closer look and all of a sudden Molly bounded over and started licking it. Martin no, said, no, she's on the beach regularly and it's a just a short walk from her home. He added, it's not exactly the kind of thing you can flush down the toilet. Well, well we flushed a giraffe down the toilet last right, week, so anything's see? possible. I did pick it up and have a look at it, but oh, I didn't take God. it home. I made sure to wash my hands afterwards. There's been a spate of them. This is two. I found another one on the same beach just before Christmas. But this one was a bit more lifelike. We can all picture that, can't we? (laughs) Martin, who has a daughter, Natasha, 22, and an 11-year-old son called Adam, lives in the tiny fishing village with his wife, Teresa. He visits the beach most mornings in the hope of making a significant fine. He did. Martin said sex toys <laughs> seem to be my main thing. I've never come across much else here. Do you know what? This is what's making the news headlines in Ireland this week. This is where If we this are. is their worst issue, I want to move there. This is going to be one unhappy mermaid when she finds out that this has all gone missing, right? It puts a whole new perspective on the film Splash. Oh. Heather, what have you got for me finally in the night for Not For Your Mother? I bet you didn't get this when you were eight. Oh, my God. There's many things I didn't get when I was eight. 
Mother sparks outrage as she hires a stripper for her eight-year-old son's birthday. Nope. Did you get that when you were eight, Greg? No. No. We had to, we had to wait till we were 12 in East London. Uh, the 10-second video clip has sparked outrage and prompted calls for the mother to be prosecuted. It wasn't his sister, was it? Oh, no. The video shows the boy sitting on a chair while the stripper dances around him wearing nothing but pink underwear. He'd only have a lipstick, wouldn't he? Oh, uh, I, Adrian. You've only got a lipstick. Do you know what I'm saying? shouldn't even thinking about, about that. Okay. But I had one once. <laughs> what, a I lipstick? I was eight, yes. <laughs> <laughs> or a stripper. <laughs> what else have you got? <laughs> <laughs> the footage sees one youngster... She said footage. <laughs> yeah, well, wait. Okay. The footage sees one youngster smack the dancer's backside. <laughs> and well, it, it's and Bridget a, the midget. And another throws money at her. While some this members... This is a kid's party, Yes, is while some I got members... A, I, got a, I got a clown and a juggler one year. <laughs> Did you get anything like that? Not even close. No, pulled a rabbit out of a hat. <laughs> while some members of the audience, seemingly children... Cheer them on and laugh. The video, now deleted from the internet, is believed to have been filmed in Tampa, Florida. 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 I can't believe a stripper would even agree to dance in front of an eight-year-old boy. Okay, it's coming up. up. However, police have not been able to trace the mother so far. The footage, which was originally posted on Instagram before going viral, racking up more than 500,000 views. Many viewers posted their shock and disgust online, with some describing the incident as an act of child abuse. To be fair, if you're only eight years old and you see a naked woman dancing like that, that's going to make you thirsty, isn't it? It's not been that many years, is it? Do you see what I'm saying? What, since, since you were thirsty? Since you were thinking... <laughs> Lunchtime. There you go. Greg's on the same page as we're on the same page, me and Greg. First of all, how would an eight-year-old know to smack her on her ass? Second of all, because he's seen his dad do it. Uh, yeah, and second of all, how would he? What would he be throwing out of his penny jar? I have no idea. Bing. That's his pocket Bing. money. <laughs> That's terrible. You can't slide a credit card there. No, but you could push up some quarters. It's <laughs> <That's> terrible. <laughs> A slot machine. That's That's terrible. Look, I've got two melons and a cherry. (laughs) The stripper has been criticized too with the decision to accept a job dancing for a child being slammed by viewers. That's what I said. One commenter on Reddit said, How is this not child abuse? I'm sorry, but this kid is eight years old. That was downright disturbing to watch. Where were these women when I was a kid? That's what I This is what always upsets me. You read about these girls at school, you know, doing all sorts in the playground. And I sat there thinking, where were these girls when I was at school? Where are those teachers that used to sleep with all the young boys? What are you suggesting? I'm just saying I've seen it all over the news. I think it's primarily out of Florida. Well, I, I, I don't want to commit to that, but I just, it just, you know, where were these, where were these girls when I was at school? I don't this know. is what I want to know. Florida. Yes, They're I was there. I, I was teaching art and history at the time. <laughs> uh, the mother should be put in jail, and the stripper should be fined. Said another. Disgusting. On Facebook, another commented, as a mother of an eight-year-old boy, this is wrong on so many levels. I wouldn't have known what to do at eight. I was playing with Legos and G.I. Joe at the age of eight. Getting to that, too. They should all be out playing on their new bikes 
or with a new ball and not seeing some stripper perform. This is a ball that's got words written on it that ghosts are firing at you, isn't it? <laughs> the mother is not fit to have children. Portable. She needs prosecuting. Portable. MQT. Portable, portable. Portable. As in poltergeist. Portable. Compound nouns, madam. Okay, so it's a what again? It's a ball that you yes. write words on. And they get fired at you. Like poltergeist, pulled the ball. Yes. So portable, pull the ball. Exactly. There is money <laughs> to be made. I, I tell can't you, say that there's again. gold in them. Their heels. Are you going to go off now? Get concussion? Have your hair pulled and vomit everywhere? At least my hair pulled. Perfect. What a fabulous <laughs> Friday night! I'll meet you down in Tampa, Florida. Well, all good things come to an end. So let us look at tonight's scores in last place with the K2 meter and the dead battery is Kim, who didn't get off a zero because she read no stories this week and I hope she gets better soon. And in resplendent first place with the $33,000 IR camera is myself, who scored six points. Heather's on five and Martin and Greg are tied with two points each. Do not fear, listener. Remember, we are back with a whole new bunch of stories next week at the same time, and I would love for you to join me for a fun and informative journey through the world of the paranormal, strange, intriguing, bizarre, and red whoppers. Please tell your friends and family <laughs> about the show, and feel free to contact me anytime via my Facebook site, More Questions and Answers with Adrian Lee. You can also join my Twitter account at Adrian underscore Lee underscore tips, and remember we do an extra 20 to 25 minutes of the show now in a round called Not for your mother that you can access on soundcloud if you look for mqta radio on soundcloud.com my gratitude and greatest thanks are extended to lorna hunter heather morris Tom drainer kim mcgreg gore and all of the international paranormal society int paranormal.net and all of the show's sponsors including the lakes area paranormal interest group and mufon of minnesota it just remains for me to say thank you for listening and remember be interested and interesting. Good night.